Good morning again. We are so glad that you are here. What a great crowd. Thank you so much for coming out to the house um, of the Lord this morning, this Sunday um, after Easter. Um, first off, a kudos to the kudos. Kudos, not kudos, not kudos. Kudos, kudos. I'm from the South. Kudos to the praise band. They did a great job, just a great job. I was listening to, to uh, Trey. He did the electric guitar thing, you know. And like that's really cool. It makes us feel like young. And then I listen to these two over here, Lori and and Mark singing, and um, it it moved me to their brother and sister, by the way. And it moved me to silence. And um, Mark, I hear this this wonderful voice. Behold the wondrous mystery. And then this tender, sweet voice, contrasting his booming baritone. It literally moved me to silence. I'm so grateful for the wondrous mystery. And that's, and that's really that's really what the message, I told somebody over here, I said, this will not be an easy message to sleep through because you're going to be going, what is he saying? <laughs> but I really hope we'll get it because I'm fearful that sometimes we come and, and we just don't understand what happens here. And that's what happened in our story today. You remember last week we had dead, you know, uh, dead man, dead men walking, and we talked about how Jesus Christ was dead, and He rose from the grave, and He, and he chose, you know, He could walk, and He walked forevermore. And then because He walked, we could walk because you know we live forever. And uh, we talked about that. And but this week we have dead man whining, and we want to look at the the rest of the story, if you will. Um, some of you were probably moved. With the younger son's story of him wandering away and, and getting in a big old mess. And we were moved almost to compassion going, you know, go home, go home, go home. And yet the sadder story is today. And the sadder story, uh, you'll hear me say this in a moment. We got the same father, but we have a different son who took a journey with a whole different conclusion. And, and I'll explain all the players in just a moment how it all works out. But I want, to, I want to speak to our hearts today and make sure we don't have a role in this story um, as the older brother. So let me set that up. And just trust me, it'll tie in in just a moment. But let me set that up. I think one of the gravest dangers today um, concerns religion. Now, we know, in, at least in the Middle East, there are three major religious groups. There are, you know, there's, there's Islam, there's, you know, Muslim and then there's you know Judaism, and then there's Christianity. And, and all of them kind of share a formula, if you will. So our first teaching slide um, says this. It says, when religion replaces relationship. Now, that is, if you're a note taker, that's worth like underlining. I hope you've got your smart device open and, you know, events, uh, more than events. But that's a key, key statement that's so important to us as Christ followers. Because this is a danger... Um, that I see, I've seen it all my life, and I continue to see it today, is that religion replaces relationship. Now, I know I take a broad swipe always at religion, um, but you know, religion has three common things, whether it's whichever major religion it is from the East there, whether it's Islam or Judaism or Christianity. You know, one, it involves a set of rules, okay? 
Uh, you know, there's a set of rules that, that, that we're expected to follow, what, regardless of what the, you know, what the denomination is. And then, and then each religion has rituals, has rituals. We've got ours, and Islam has theirs, and, of course, Judaism has theirs. And then there's this idea of the routine, the routine. And that's probably a danger is because we have a propensity, a tendency um, to, to let things become routine. And that's why I was moved to silence today. That's, I'm glad I was moved to silence. Let me put that away. Because I don't want worship to ever be routine. I, I, just, I, I, want, I want us to come to worship just wondering what in the world is God going to do today. Amen? God, what are you going to do today? Today. But the problem is, is that we, we do enforce rules. Um, you know, we put rules in a higher priority. We, we have ritual in the highest priority, and we have routine. You know, back when I was growing up, you know, I went to Faith Memorial Baptist Church, and I mean, you could, this thing was written in stone. You know, you had an opening song, you had welcome announcements and a prayer, you had two more songs, you either had a special or you had the choir, the, the pastor would preach the message, there was a hymn invitation, and you prayed and went home. I mean, it's like you just couldn't variate from that at all. And that's when routine becomes danger. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with rules. There's nothing wrong with ritual. There's nothing wrong with routine. All those things are fine until they replace relationship. When we are more wrapped up in, in our, our rules and our ritual and our routine, when we're more wrapped up in our religion instead of relationship, we are in grave danger. Now, I can tell you how that is. I've told you about religion. Let me tell you about relationship. Relationship, as it concerns with God, is very simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You know you're living a relationship when you are madly in love with God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. When it's more than just something you do on Sunday, you know, you know, you know you've got a good marriage. When you're madly in love with your wife, you can't wait to wake up and see her in bed with you. You can't wait to see her when you get home from work, and you can't wait to kiss her goodnight. When you have that kind of relationship with God, you know you're living a relationship. And, 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 and when you love people. And that's where we know the older son was messed up because he didn't love people, he hated people. We know there's a problem when that is true in our lives. And, and when, when you have religion and it replaces our relationship, the result is a cheap imitation of the real deal. A cubic zirconium is a false diamond. It's not necessarily cheap. Um, you can get a quarter carat for a couple, three or four hundred dollars, so it's not cheap. But a, quarter, a, a, a carat diamond would cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And the naked eye can't tell the difference. In fact, the, the hardness of the cubic zirconium is almost as hard as a diamond. But the bottom line is, no matter how real it looks, it's still a cheap imitation. And no, amen. no matter how your religion looks, it's always a cheap, relation, a cheap replacement for our relationship. And, and a scar of that, a, a result of that, is this spirit of expectation replaces a spirit of gratitude. In other words, we come to church saying, okay, God, what are you going to give me today? What are you going to 
give me today. There's an expectation. Rather than gratitude for what God has already done and who He is, there's a spirit of expectation. Bottom line is this. We, we turn God into Amazon. You say, huh? Yeah. You know, you know Amazon. You, you go to their website, you open the app up, and you go through and you find something you want. And then, then you send Amazon some money, and then they send you what you want. And that's how we reduce God. We, we go through life, and we see something we want, so we give God something. We give Him service, we give Him money, we give Him church attendance, you know, we're, we give Him keeping the rules. And because of that, we expect God to give us what we want, just like Amazon. And, and when you have religion replacing relationship, then, then that's the kind of spirit you have. You don't have a spirit of gratitude, you have a spirit of expectation. See, see grat- a spirit of gratitude says this, I am grateful for what God has already done. I tell you this every once in a while to remind you, and you need reminding, and I need reminding. In fact, I need to tell you, when I was preparing this message and I prayed this morning, my prayer was, God, don't let me be the older son. Because I know, my again, my tendency to be um, that way. But, but you know you've got a spirit of gratitude when, when Jesus is enough. And I tell you every once in a while, you know, if you die and go to heaven and you're the, most, you're, you're the poorest person on earth, and, and you don't have cars, and your address isn't in the right part of town, and, and you've, you've gained and lost jobs, and life has been a struggle for you. If, you. if you can... If you can die, if you can die knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior, it is enough. It is enough. So be amen. Be, so, so be aware of this. Be, be aware of the danger of this. Max Licato came up with an awesome quote about gratitude. And, and he said this. He said, you know, I believe ingratitude is the original sin. And that causes you to pause and go, well, well, what makes you say that, Max? Okay, I believe ingratitude is the original sin. I believe, he says, I believe if Adam and Eve had been great... Now, this is good. If Adam and Eve had been grateful for the Garden of Eden they had, they would not have been so focused on the one tree they didn't have. Now, I'm telling you this. Listen to me as your pastor. If we can be thankful for what God has already given us, we won't find us ourselves lusting after the one thing He said no to. Because God's going to say no sometimes. He is not Santa Claus. He is not Amazon. He is not a vending machine. Put your quarter in and get your treat. He is God Almighty. And sometimes God is going to say no. Well, let's look at our story today. Um, you remember the slide from last week, and it looks a whole, a whole lot like the one from last week. We had the, the prodigals in the middle, and just like last week we learned, one prodigal was the younger son, and that was reckless living. 
And then we learn that the word prodigal can also mean lavish, something given lavishly. And we know the other prodigal then was a father, a father who loved to give lavishly. Okay, so just like last week, we got two prodigals today. Last week was the father and the younger son. He lived recklessly and came back home. And today we have the same father. We have the same father. He's kind. He's generous. He's loving. And then we have a son. And it would be clearer to say that this is the older son. Um, This is the um, older brother in this. Okay, now... All people that I know smarter than me who have much more education understand, they tell me and know from the commentaries I read, that Jesus intended the older son, the older brother, to be the scribes and Pharisees. Because remember, that was the setup for a story. Do you remember that? Where, where they, they were, you know, Jesus was teaching and they said about Jesus, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. That's why I said they hated sinners. They hated sinners. And so, and so we have this older brother, okay, this older son, okay, and Jesus is setting him up because you're going to see what is going to be the response in the story of the older son. It's very interesting. And I, I think it will help us anyway to make sure we understand we don't ever want to be the older brother. We don't really want to be the younger brother either. We don't want to be the younger son, but we don't want to be the older brother. And it's really dangerous because... Where it can happen and how it can happen. Well, just like last week, there's a journey involved. But last week had a good ending. You remember? The younger son came home. Father, I'm not worthy. You know, and the father says, hold on just a second. You know, robe, ring, sandals, fatted calf, and they begin to celebrate. Had a great ending. This one doesn't have that ending. This doesn't have that ending. So so we want to make sure that we learn from this because God wants our story to have a happy ending. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse 25a. And it's really simple. It just simply says this. Meanwhile, meanwhile being, while all this is going on, while while the ring and and the robe and the sandals and the fatted calf is being killed and there's hugging going on and there's a celebration going on. Meanwhile, while all that is going on, the older son was in the field working. Now, keep in mind that the older son is represented by the scribes and Pharisees. And the scribes and Pharisees were professional workers. They were professional rule keepers. You know, if, if you're a son of a scribe or a Pharisee, not all of them, most of them, you know, your son must go, hey, dad, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a professional rule keeper. I, I'm a professional religionist. I, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm a professional at, at you know, going to the temple and doing the temple thing. Okay, so so they now imagine now the older son, okay, was in the field working because that's what they did. Okay, now now the thing we got to be careful of, okay, is listen, rule keepers work. There's nothing wrong with work. You know, the old song says, "We'll work till Jesus comes." We'll work. We ought to work. But when work replaces relationship, it's a dangerous thing. When, when we feel like we have to, and we're going to read this again in just a moment, but when we feel like we have to appease God, even after grace, because we're talking about us, even after grace, if we still feel that urgency to appease God or to make God happy or gain God's favor, it becomes a very, very dangerous thing. 
So we've got to be careful that we don't be like the older son and, and he goes out in the field and he goes to earn the favor of God. The scribes and Pharisees were trying to earn the favor of God. We make sure that doesn't happen. And, and we need to rest in something, okay? We've got to rest in done and not do. The older brother thought it was never enough, never enough, never could keep working and working and working and working. We need to understand because of the cross, it's done. Because of the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on a Roman cross, because he was willing to pay the price for our sin, of which we could never pay, he was willing to bear the wrath of God, he was willing to die and then resurrect the third day, we don't celebrate do, we celebrate done. Okay, so you've got to file that away. You've got to put that in your pocket and take it home. So our teaching point really just expounds on that. It says no one, no one could accuse the older son of being lazy. You know, doers aren't lazy. Okay, they just got the wrong motivation. He would go out into the field time and time again, and he would do. By nature, rule keepers are doers. So if you're sitting there today and you say, I've got to keep the rules, I've got to keep the rules, you've got to ask yourself, why do you have that passion to keep rules? Is it because, is it because you love God or you fear God? Is it because you love God or you think somehow you've got to appease God a little bit more? The cross wasn't enough. So you've got to work a little bit more. So no one could accuse the older son of being lazy. His work to gain the father's love and favor had become like self-imposed slavery. Isn't it funny? The younger boy comes home and says, I'm not, you know, one to say, I'm not worthy to be your, your son, make me a slave. And this poor guy was living with the father and all he saw himself, he never saw himself as a son. He lived his life as a slave. He worked to gain the master's approval. He goes on further. Sadly, he didn't understand they were already his. And I realized that wasn't true because if you're talking about the scribes and Pharisees, most of them did not believe in Jesus. So we're going to change it. Sadly, he didn't understand they were already his for the asking. For the asking. God extended, Jesus extended grace to any person who would say yes, including the scribes and the Pharisees. But for the older brother that represents us, We need to understand that we have God's love. We have God's favor. There is nothing you can do to earn any more of God's love or any more of God's favor. You have it all if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, in verse 25, the second part. So, now, this is very interesting. When he returned home. Wait, I've heard that phrase before. Oh, I know what I will do, the younger son said. I know what I will do. I will go home to my father. See what I mean? There's a real similarity here. Both of them had a journey, and both of them, you know, this man, you know, had a return. He came back too, but not in the same sense the younger brother did. He returned. I often wondered, I I imagine this fella as a very melancholy person. Uh, we would call them today a Debbie Downer. It's never a good day. It's never enough. And I can imagine when he came in to home, returned home, I think only one thing gave him a sense of satisfaction. You know what it was? He wasn't there. Not, not he the father. He the brother. 
I'll show you in a minute, but I, I, I don't think he disliked his brother. I think he hated his brother. And he, and he gets back home, and he, he could say, you know what? He's not here. He ran, but I'm here. At least I had the satisfaction. Yeah, I slaved all day in the field, and it's been hard, and it's been hot, but at least I had the satisfaction of knowing I'm better than I'm better than him. We've got to be careful. <laughs> my mama, I was probably 10 years old, and it's been in my brain all these 58 years. One day we were walking into the Roosevelt Mall. I remember what mall it was, and we're walking down there, and my mom, like me, wrestled with her weight and her self-image, and I remember her looking at a woman that was walking toward us who was somewhat heavier than she was, and she said these words, at least I'm not as fat as her. Yeah, remember, remember like yesterday. We've got to be careful as Jesus followers who happen to go to church that we don't have that mentality about culture. We've got to be careful that we don't go through culture saying, at least I'm not as bad as that person. At least I'm not as bad as that person. And, oh, oh my goodness, when, when we say that about one another, when, when all of a sudden we go, oh, wait, I, you know, I'm better than them. At least I'm not as bad as them. I know they do this and I don't do that. And I, turn, I attend two times a week and they attend one time a week. At least I'm better than them. We've got to be careful of that. So when he shows up, he hears music. This was foreign to him. I often wonder, and this is me speculating, I need to tell you. I wonder if the father used to greet him every day when he came in from the field. Hi, son. I hope you had a good day at work today. And how you doing? But see, when the younger brother left, dad was doing something else. He was looking for the boy. You know, remember the story. You know, the hundred sheep, one gets out, and so the shepherd leaves the ninety and nine and goes, looks for the other one. Remember that? The woman lost a coin, and she goes and looks for the other one. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not speculating. Maybe all of a sudden he realized, wait, where's dad? Oh, that's right. He's looking for the one. He's out looking again. And maybe the house was a little melancholy because of that. But when he comes home this time, he hears music and dancing in the house. Wait, what? What? Again, so I really believe this guy was a melancholy guy. And wait, wait, wait. Music and dancing? There hasn't been music and dancing. It was, it was something extraordinary. It was something different, okay? You know, and so he asked one of the servants, what's going on? What's happening? Why, why is there music in this house? All right, well, let's look at, let's look at our, our teaching point, Okay. I, I, the first service did really good on this. You know, I asked them, how many of you heard this saying, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy? You've got to be old to know that. I understand that. But, but change that. All work and no relationship makes us a dull boy. See, if we're going to have joy in the camp, if we're going to have music in our lives, if we're going to embrace worship, we've got to have a relationship going on. We've got to have a relationship going on. The older son's world of, of work left him bitter and estranged. Music was strange. Worship was strange. Because of the world he lived in. 
And then he received what I call a triplet of news set him ablaze. See, the older son was a time bomb waiting to go off. And the servant's words set him ablaze. Here's what he said in verse number 27. Your brother is back. Now imagine this. There's no doubt he hated his brother. You're going to hear the words in a few minutes. He hated his brother. And now he's back. I was watching the movie. Anybody seen the movie Risen? Yeah, it was on Netflix. It's great. Well, we showed it here back a long time ago. It's an Easter movie. It's an Easter movie. And there's a centurion, you know, that looks and discovers that Jesus is really real, really alive. And, and so, so he goes, they, they take the news to, to Pilate, and Pilate gets the word, he really is alive. Not from the centurion, but from another Roman. He's alive. And Pilate said, fine. If he's alive, I'll kill him again. Love the line. Hate the truth. Love the line. I wonder if the older brother, your brother's back. I ran him off once, and I'll run him off again. I caused him to want to leave, and I'll cause him to leave again. We got to be careful that's not our church. You remember how hard it was to come to church the first time? You know, some of the things I say from the pulpit are offensive to a lost person. Sometimes the gospel is offensive to a lost person. Listen, if the gospel offends them, let them be offended. But let's not offend them. Don't pierce them with your eyes when you look at their piercings. Don't, 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 don't stare at them with their tats or the way they're dressed or you know perhaps their broken lifestyle out there. Man, when they walk into the house of God, let them know they stepped into a place of grace, a place of love. It's exactly what Jesus would do. It's exactly what Jesus did. He welcomed sinners and wants to eat with them. Your brother's back. And your father's killed the fatted calf. That was the prize trophy. Somewhere I'm, I no, 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 no. I know in his mind it was his. He was going to work hard enough to earn the fatted calf. And now this prodigal son returns. And God kills the fatted calf for him. And the third thing, oh, they're in the house. And that music you hear, there's a party. And the reason for the party is we are celebrating because of his safe return. What do you think his response was? What would your response be if someone that you despised came to church? Who is it in culture, in the world... Or sitting next to you that you despise? Just ask. Just ask. What is it when I mention a name, you get angry? Just ask. Because that's what happened to him. In verse 28, the Bible says, you know, 
the older brother was angry. I decided to, to look that word up in the Greek, you know, the Strong's, the Greek, and it means to be filled with anger. So, so he wasn't a little pouty anymore. He wasn't just a little angry anymore. Rage, fury, he was just filled with fury. Uh, he's furious, and it consumes him, and it owns him. See, when we have situations in culture and stuff, or people, and that's the response, you need to know that's not godly. In fact, you're going to see it puts you at odds with God. So the other brother was ang- older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. I'll stay in the backyard, thank you. I'm comfortable out here. I refuse to go in and be a part of the party. And here's the amazing part. The father came out. Remember the father was the same? Remember the father who looked for the younger brother? Remember the father who ran toward the younger brother? You remember the father who embraced him and kissed him and loved him? Same father. Word gets out that the older brother is outside and he ain't coming in. And the father came out. And you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? And begged him. That, that, that line to me is so incredible. He begs him to come in. So what's our teaching point? Well, I call it second verse, same as the first. You see, the younger brother went on a far journey, went on a journey to a far country. The older son's far country was no further than the backyard. He was as far from the father as the younger brother. You don't have to go to a far country to be far from God. In fact, it says, like him, we too can be lost and broken and rebellious in our backyard. Mark, I heard one time I was at a pastor's conference, and, and, the, and the teacher said, the easiest place to backslide is seminary. You're surrounded in Bible, you're surrounded in culture, you're surrounded in theology, but often if you're not careful, you're not surrounded in relationship. And it's easy to say in your brain, oh, I've got it all together, I've got all of this, but you don't have relationship. You're not loving God and loving people. It's awful easy, look at me, it's easy to backslide sitting where I sit when I'm not teaching and when you sit. Coming to church is not a guarantee of the lack of need for revival or the need for revival. We can, we, we, can be, we can be angry and bitter and sit right where we are. Our far country, our far country could be as close as the pew you're sitting in. And we can be as far from the father as the younger brother was. And the older brother was. But then, I, I want you to imagine, I'm from the South. And I know some of you, we all had screen doors. I had a breezeway, and that door would swing open, and then close. And it slammed. And we knew what it was. It was a screen door. We can be, whether it be church, wherever, and be a long way from the Father. But here's what I love. 
If you listen carefully, you're going to hear the screen door open. Because the Father's coming for you. Whether it's a far country of not in church or a far country sitting right here, God loves you infinitely. And the Father loved the older son infinitely. God loved the scribes and Pharisees. He sent Jesus for them too. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to redemption. And God loves you. If you listen, you'll hear the screen door open and the Father comes. And he's pleading, pleading for us to come home, to come home. You know, every service, we have a decision time. And most often we think, oh, I know what that is. That's when we invite people who don't know Jesus to learn about Jesus, to get their questions answered, to maybe announce that they've trusted Christ. And you're absolutely right. We do it for that reason. You know, usually Brother Brent, it'll be me today, we'll stand down here and we're waiting for someone who wants to know about this and the Christ of this, the man on this, to trust him and be have their sins forgiven. It's all about that. But may I do something perhaps new today? What if, what if every service, what about if every decision time, we understood that's an opportunity for God to speak to us. What, what, if, what, if we, what, if we, what if we came to church and we realized that God may have something for us? It's not about singing two songs and going home. It's not about an opportunity to put some money in a plate. Just that. What if we understood that if we listen carefully, we can hear the screen door open and the father coming outside and he says, I love you. I want to help you. I want, I want to help you know me more and hold me, hope to know me better and to know me deeper than ever before. What if? And you know what? It's a truth. It's a truth. God loves each one of you so much. He's not proud because you came to church today. He's beyond that. He's so glad you love him and you came. Don't come to church to try to appease God. The cross did that. Come to worship him. Come to celebrate. Serve to celebrate. Give to celebrate. Teach to celebrate. Sing to celebrate. A God who loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Now, we're out of time. So I'll just, I'll just tell you how it ends. The father comes out and says, man, I love you, dear son. You've always been with me. But listen, this is a happy day. We've got to celebrate because your brother who was dead is alive and who has lost is found. We just had to celebrate. And I want to leave with this thought. I wonder if God could speak audibly to us today. He said, you know, we've got to celebrate church because this is a happy day. Because 
my son, Jesus, died and resurrected the third day. And that makes every, every Sunday, not just the one time a year, it makes every Sunday a reason to come to church and celebrate. There's no accident that the church worshiped on Sunday because that was the day Jesus resurrected. So every time the church got together on Sunday, they were celebrating the resurrection. And the father would say, that's a happy day. But as I look across this room, Barbara, as I look across this room, you all are resurrections that know Jesus Christ. It's not just a happy day because he lives. It's a happy day because we live. Those of us who trusted Christ as Savior. So I want to challenge you today, starting today. First, of course, if you don't know Jesus, man, I'd love to share with you. I know you got questions, and we can even stay after church and talk about it. But I want you to know about this man you know, who died on this Roman cross, and he did so intentionally, intentionally, not martyred and not murdered. He intentionally died because the wages of sin was death, Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd love to tell you about that, about a father who loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. How about that? But I also want to challenge those of us who know him. And this was my prayer this morning, because I know, again, my tendency to act like the older brother. I'll never be the older brother in the sense that, that they, you know, the Pharisees are lost. But, but I know my propensity to act like, to not be grateful, to not be thankful. To be disappointed when God doesn't perform just like I think he should. And I told the father this morning, I said, Father, don't let me be the older brother. You've done so much for me. How could I ever not love you and do for you? Would you bow your heads right there? As as always, again, I'll be standing up front, but the altar's open today, and we would love to share with you about Jesus if you've never made that commitment to him. Um, you know, for a lot of people in this room, it's been a long time, and we're here to tell you, he lives up to the name. He is who he said he is. He did what he said he would do, and he will do what he said he will do. He loves you. He will forgive you. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. That's who Jesus is. I'll be glad to share that with you. And the altar's open today. If you're there today and you go, you know what, Dwayne? I don't want to admit it, and I wouldn't admit it openly, but there's too much of the older brother in me. I look down on when I, when I see a drunk out on the street, I don't pity him. I look down on him, and I say, at least I'm not as bad as him. Or a drug addict. Or a guy caught in adultery. That would never be me. That would never be me. Why not come today or make your altar there? And say, God, I know there's a little bit of the older brother in me. And I'm asking that through Jesus' name, that that will stop and that will cease. Help me, Father, to run into your arms. Now, God, I am grateful and I am thankful for you being so good to me. As the song says, you have been so, so good to me. I know you love us all. You love every person in this room. And if there's a friend here today who has not trusted you, may today be the day. And God, may all of us, all of us be willing to lay down the older brother in us 
and pick up that relationship. Love God and love people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.